traditional approaches just don't work. If the way we're going to evaluate these events is by auditing past history or looking at how we complied with controls in the past, it's just not good enough anymore. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, on the ESG Report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I'm thrilled to have back with me Dan Zig. Dan is one of the most thoughtful leaders, really, on the business side of things I know in the GR space. We've had some great pods over the last couple of years, and Dan has graciously taken some time to come and visit with us about year-end wrap-up, big news from Dan's side of things over 2021. So, Dan, first off, with an incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Always great to be here. Dan, what are you up to these days? Well, we've had a we've had a big year. Galvanized becoming part of Diligent, and we're integrating those those businesses to be the first. What we'd like to think of is truly integrated GRC all the way from the board level down to the frontline organi- front lines of an organization. And I'm really excited to be as we've gone through that process and what was historically my my company Galvanize now becoming part of the the broader Diligent. And part of that, I will actually be transitioning into a a diligent role myself, leading up the product organization for the overall combined company starting next year. Well, that's uh, very exciting. Could you maybe kind of walk us through, uh, not really the the merger acquisition, but afterwards and how you guys have worked to really give the customer a seamless, as you said, from board to frontline experience? Absolutely. So we are working really hard on technology capability that brings what GRC professionals do directly into the boardroom. So Diligent is the globe's leading provider of board portal software. So 700,000 board directors around the world use Diligent. So think of when a board gets their quarterly board book on their iPad that often comes through the Diligent app for the largest organizations in the world. And we're creating the ability to say, hey, alongside that board book sits information, dashboards and information and analytics about how other areas of governance and risk and compliance in the front line are working. So the idea of being able to say, not only is my board book there, but there's a real-time dashboard on for the audit committee on how we're progressing through the audit plan. Maybe there's a real-time dashboard on ESG and topics of sustainability. Maybe there's a real-time security scorecard. All of those sorts of things that we think will make it so that the board is able to engage in governance in a more proactive way than what they historically have been with backward-looking board books. So how did the acquisition really strengthen Galvanize in your mind, Dan? Yeah, great question. And I think it's exactly that. It was it gave us the opportunity for not only Galvanize, but far more importantly, all of Galvanize's users. So if you think of internal auditors, compliance teams, infosec teams, it's really given us the ability to elevate their work and put that in the context that it's ready for the boardroom, including the the C suite and the and the board. So we think that's where the the real value add is. We've also just have gotten the benefit of being in a 
in a much larger organization where we can use global scale and, and a larger pool of resources to move our teams and services and products forward for our customers. Dan, as you know, we've been able to visit for podcasts two or three times this year. Maybe th- I think this is our third one. And it's given me the opportunity to sort of check in with you at some various intervals to see where you, Galvanize, and Diligent are in this process. But I really wanted to maybe ask you personally, what have been some of the highlights for you through this process? So for me, I I think it's a great, I'm sure many of the listeners will have been through M&A activity before, but it's a great experience in learning how to manage through a time of exceptional change. So while most organizations are already going through exceptional change, thinking about how do we how do we navigate coming out of a pandemic? How do we navigate? Are we returning from remote work? All of these sorts of things, the, the quote unquote great resignation that's gone on this year. We layered on top of that being acquired and, and finding ourselves merging into a, a new culture and a new group of people and a new team of leaders. And so I think for me personally, it's been quite a highlight to see the resiliency of, of our teams and being able to do that, just recognizing that it's for the difficulty that comes in, in change management, change management well done creates such an opportunity here for us to really accelerate our way toward our vision by bringing everything that we wanted to do into the boardroom. Dan, it occurs to me that one of the things that has changed greatly in 2021 is the GRC space. And I wanted to just maybe ask you to reflect, what are some, uh, maybe a couple of the key changes you've seen, or is the change just how much more important it is now? That's exactly, I suppose, how I would summarize it, Tom. I feel like I've been on a journey for 15 years now advocating for, let's stop doing audit, risk, compliance, governance, security. Let's stop doing those things in, in silo and start working together for the benefit of a, of a more well-governed organization. And I think 2021 has really accelerated that in two ways. There just is so much risk that has materialized this year of course, related to the pandemic, but perhaps even more so the things we didn't expect on the other side of the pandemic, substantial wage inflation, great turnover of employees relative to past years. A lot of these sorts of things have just accelerated that need for risk management. I think you layer on top of that a new kind of global pressure to be thinking more seriously about ESG is doing the same. And so to me, GRC and ESG, I'm not sure where one begins or where the other where the other ends and, and that sort of thing. But I think at the end of the day, governance as it relates to some of the most pressing economic and social and environmental issues has really accelerated the understanding of the need for people who are who think in terms of governance and, and risk management. Dan, one of the probably top comments I heard during the height of the pandemic last year was that we had moved from disaster recovery to business continuity to business as usual. And I've known you, I guess, for a couple of years now, and it struck me that you were pretty much saying that, at least since I've known you. (laughs) But you talked about it in terms of compliance regulation and automation to allow a company to not only assess its risk and manage its risk, but also make a change when needed. And now at the speed of change, it also occurs to me that the suite of products and services you offer really help a company in that Hey, now it's business as usual. World's biggest forest fire, a 1,000-year hurricane, the great resignation, your supply chain's blocked up for six months. It doesn't matter anymore. And it seems to me that you've really been advocating companies to have that nimbleness 
to be able to pivot. And now we've had, I can't even count the number of examples of black swan events in the last 18 months. Would that also be a fair assessment? Absolutely a fair assessment. I would, I appreciate you painting me as some visionary there, but I think, I think there's been a number of us on that drum for a number of years. It's just the question of traditional approaches just don't work. If the way we're going to evaluate these events is by auditing past history or looking at how we complied with controls in the past, it's just not good enough anymore. The supply chain one is a great example. Companies are really getting hammered by this. And I think there is a way to have seen this further ahead of time and knowing, hey, if this employee labor turnover issue is happening and we look at what geographies around the world is happening, probably inevitably would have helped us predict earlier where we were going to have supply chain issues. And I think just the proactive approach to risk management and saying, we're going to risk manage by using leading indicators rather than auditing activity of the past. Like you said, there's just no choice after everything we've seen in disruption last 18 months. You also mentioned ESG, which is, if not the most, one of the most ubiquitous terms we've seen in 2021. And frankly, that's also something I heard you talk about. You just didn't use the term ESG. You talked about GRC and all the components of an automated GRC program allowing the decision makers to one, get the information much quicker and then help them analyze those decisions. So I really wanted to lead, use that as a lead into sort of anticipation of ESG regulation and how can an automated GRC platform really help companies with, whether it's the EU, whether it's the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, whether it's a state government uh, that puts in a reg. Climate data in particular is a, is a great example of this. So you mentioned the, the EU directive. The SEC is inevitably, it seems to be very clearly on the edge of requiring disclosure on the same. And I think organizations are wrestling with, where do I even begin measuring this? And I feel like we not necessarily learned all the lessons we should have from the past. So I like to say, you know, back in 2000, 2002, I saw the exact same thing going on as it related to Sarbanes-Axley and internal control over financial disclosures. I think now we're in very much the same place with climate and should be thinking about the same way. There needs to be a general ledger system of some sort where we are able to compile data about activities that generate carbon emissions. And then we need a system of, of internal controls to make sure that we're capturing that data and reporting and disclosing appropriately. And I think over the years, we have gone, it took 15 years or more, 20 years to do it, but we've gone from a place where, again, we took all of those internal financial controls and audited them backwards and said, oh yeah, at the end of the year, we found these 15 deficiencies that now we can't do anything about. We've really moved towards monitoring financial controls on a much more regular basis where we can get ahead of that. I think it's the same in ESG. It's the same sorts of internal controls that make sure that whether we're doing disclosure on carbon emissions or we're doing disclosure on gender diversity or, or any of those sorts of topics, I think it's the same underlying principles that apply. So I just hope a lot of our GRC professionals will, will kind of step up to saying, hey, let me help apply that same kind of skill to these areas that now have become, that have become really hot topics. Are you and your team really having to educate GRC professionals to make that step to really input into an overall ESG program? Or are your clients coming to you with questions? Or how is that sort of discussion part working? 
as it relates to ESG in particular, we are finding a lot of our customers and prospects both are coming to us primarily looking for education at the minute. That's for sure. I think everybody knows that there's big mandates here coming down the road. But unless you're in one of the, what I call the dangerous and dirty industries, the big industrials that have dealt with environmental regulation for a long time, this is pretty new. And so we see a lot of, of organizations coming to us going, how should we be thinking about this? And it usually, as a software vendor, it comes to us and do you have a software solution that solves this problem? And of course, the magic bullet isn't, isn't quite that easy. We'd say, yeah, we have a software solution that can really help with that. But we need to think about structures of, of how you're going to do this in a program, much the same way we have all the other kinds of, of compliance and risk management in the past. So I think it is an, an education process in saying there is a new domain knowledge that we need, whether that's around diversity, greenhouse gas emission, or any of the other. But the processes of what we do can probably still very much apply. And we look to encourage and help our customers take leadership roles in their organizations to drive that conversation. Yeah, a little bit earlier, you mentioned the Galvanize board suite of products and how one of the potential or one suite of products would deal with ESG. And I really don't want to ask you about the specific product, but I wanted to use that to introduce the question of how should the GRC professional think about presenting information to a board? Should it be a, a very broad picture? Should it be a broad picture with detailed analysis? If asked, my sense is most boards don't want a real detailed analysis, at least until they would ask, how do you counsel a GRC professional on how to present to a board? It's a great question. And I think particularly on, on ESG topics, right now, the board is looking for the answers to simple questions. And those simple questions are, what should we as the board care about? Help guide us on management, help guide us on that. And don't make it more than sort of five points long. So I think that's a really important place to start is what are those, what are those basic kind of five points that we can answer and how do we have some kind of relevant benchmark on it? So I'd say, you know, in, in ESG topics is a good example where we say, we think our carbon emission level is this and it benchmarks to our industry this way. The gender diversity in our employee base is this and it benchmarks to our industry in this way. I find that's what boards are immediately looking for right now to get their head around governance for those kinds of issues. And we believe that will evolve over the next couple of years where they'll actually look for quite a bit more than that. And so it may not be the broad board, but for example, the audit committee may evolve into saying, okay, now we want a deeper dive on understanding, do we have assurance? Have you done audits to validate that policies are actually in place? That this data that makes up what we're comparing to these benchmarks is accurate? Is there somebody who's following this data and where, where there's red flags actually actioning it? And are we resolving findings and issues in the business? You know, that's for sure the the next step. So I think it's a couple of years process here to make sure that we're bringing the right high-level conversation into the broad boardroom. And then as audit committee or even climate committees or other things begin to take shape, that we were able to drill down a level for the board, ultimately leading into having real GRC programs that management's running to arrive at that data. And you said something there I'd like to pick up on. I think most GRC professionals see GRC directly in the S and the G of ESG, but they may shy away from the E part, thinking that you really have to have technical expertise. But what I heard from you say is, look, the GRC professional takes the information, puts it in a reporting form in a documented manner 
that then is available for either a board, for a public, if you're a public company and have to report it, or a shareholder or stakeholder. Is that a conversation you're also having with your GRC professionals? It is. And I think on the E in particular, we're not quite as evolved yet in the thinking about how does accounting for for carbon emission in particular, but accounting for how we interact with the environment, where is the role of management in that versus where is the role of the kind of the second and third line of defense GRC professionals. And so what we're encouraging is right now, take a very consultative approach. Everybody's working to figure out how to capture and, and manage that kind of data. Just like if we were setting up a, a new accounting department, we'd advise on how to on how to do that and capture financial data accurately. I think a lot of organizations are going to be setting up a sustainability function that will ultimately have responsibility for doing that kind of accounting. And we should be consultative on that. And then also, and then in turn, connecting it to standards and compliance programs, which is exactly what we know how to do as GRC professionals. There are a whole variety now of excellent published professional standards and taking those standards mapping them into processes in our operation, understanding where control points lie, and evaluating and monitoring those is something we can, we can really help with as we get a better sense for how to just capture the original environmental data in these organizations. Then how do you see or what are some of the key metrics you're seeing around GRC and what insight does that give you into where GRC in 2022 may be headed or perhaps even further down the road? Yeah, I think there's a few things there. One is, uh, one I actually think is quite interesting is the pay levels of GRC professionals, which I think are accelerating at an exceptional rate, a good demonstration of how acute the pain is and what organizations are doing to get the right skills in place to look after these programs. But then beyond that, I think the sort of trend in where, again, boards, audit committees, and executive and executive management where they're asking questions and where they're looking for more assurance is a good indication of what's to come. And those are all the same areas that we've been talking about. It's everybody wants it. All those parts of the governance structure are looking to understand better what we're doing about climate, what we're doing about, about social equality, and the same, all the same sorts of topics that we've been talking about here. So, Dan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on Diligent Galvanize or really any of the topics you've touched on this podcast, what would be the best way for them to do so? Absolutely. I would definitely recommend the the Diligent website, diligent.com. And in particular, there's a link on there to something we call the Diligent Institute that has lots of fantastic thought leadership content, benchmarking tools, all those kinds of things that I think are, are particularly are really, really good for just getting educated on some of these topics and thinking about how to, how to bring them into, into the sort of governance operations for the coming year. Well, Dan, as always, it's uh, a ton of fun to visit with you. I've decided that I judge the quality of the podcast by either one, how much I learn, or two, how much fun I have. And you scored double A's on uh, both in this podcast. So I wanted to thank you, and I look forward to uh, catching up with you in 2022. Likewise, as always, Tom, it was a ton of fun and looking forward to 2022 indeed.